Okay. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this family. We thank you that your spirit is what connects us, is what grows us, is what transforms us, helps us to experience life anew. And so, God, we just want to thank you for your word that you've been preparing in, Andrew. We just pray that it would find good soil in our hearts and that it would plant, take root and grow. And, Father, that we would be changed by this morning, that tomorrow would be changed because of what the word that is coming. Um, and forevermore. So God, we just thank you for Andrew and his obedience. We just pray for your word and thank you that it doesn't return void. Amen. I don't know. I'll try this. I was going to welcome you back, Stacey, but you almost welcomed yourself here. <laughs> How good is it to have you here? Hey, let's welcome Stacey back to church, eh? And um, I forget what you said to me as I was walking through, but it was really encouraging. It actually lifted my spirit. So I want to thank you for that. And um, yeah, how good is that? How good is that? We're talking about relationship today, so it's good. It's good. I want to um, show you some in a minute. Um, I want to talk about culture. I talked about culture last week. And um, culture is kind of how we do things around here. Um, every people group has culture. Every family has culture. Um, it's kind of, you know, and it's often unspoken. That's the problem with culture. You don't know that you've upset someone until you've upset them. You ever had that? You go into a people group, might be a family. Well, you know, ask me in 40 minutes, and if I haven't nailed it, you can, I'll try again. Maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Um, and it's driven by our values. So our values is what we really care about. Um, and it, sometimes we don't even know what we care about until someone who doesn't care about what we care about crosses what we care about. Does that make sense? Um, so it's good to articulate them. Um, so that's... You can bring the picture up if you like. There you go. Now, this is 1993. I know some of you weren't born, so don't laugh. Um, I did a mission trip to Papua New Guinea, and um, we went up for a wedding. I said, you want to come and see a wedding, a P&G wedding, up in the villages outside of Moresby? So we drove the other direction down that gully and up the hill to the wedding, and then it rained. And so we came back down through the gully and got stuck there for about an hour in a four-wheel drive. And I thought, well, I'll get out. That's me, young 23-year-old at the back there with a the white T-shirt, no goatee. I don't think I had a suntan because I never have. I just go different shades of red. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, we're there for about an hour trying to get out of there with palm trees under the wheels and people rocking the back. Anyway, we got out. And this is me on the way home. Now, I obviously didn't, that was before the days of selfies, so I didn't take that photo, obviously, because, you know, my hair wasn't done right. But when we got back, leave that up for a minute, when we got back to the campus and washed all the mud off the four-wheel drive, um, one of the young ladies gave me the greatest compliment I got while I was there. She goes, you really fit in around here. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, because you've got to understand, right, I grew up in Nambour. I grew up around paddocks, 
So sitting in the back of Utes, driving down roads and chewing on sugar cane and being muddy was just normal for me. So I was quite at home, sitting in the back of the truck on the way back to Moresby, chewing on sugar cane and being filthy dirty. Actually, I didn't want to get inside the truck because I was so dirty. I just wanted to get amongst it. I didn't know I was fitting in. But, you know, it's good to know. Um, and actually, I, I went and had a meal with some Salvation Army officers before I went up there. And um, they at least gave me some tips. Because some of the tips would have been awkward if I didn't know them. And um, I don't know if you can see me do this. Um, one of the things they said to me is when you go up to Papua New Guinea and you go to shake someone's hand, um, they like to hold your hand while they're talking to you. So you shake. How are you coping, Nate? You going okay? You're okay. You're okay. He's a bit touchy. <laughs> um, and I'm going, this is awesome because I like that too. I can hold your hand all day. I don't have a problem with it, okay? Um, so it's good to know what drives culture. It's just the way things are done. And so last week and this week I want to talk about why do we do the things we do at Long Jetty? Because it's actually more intentional than you realise. Um, that's why we do sharing time, because we want to do relationship. We want to hear from people. We want to connect with people. Okay? That's why we do it. So for those of you who are here last week, if you weren't here last week, you're off the hook. But if you are here last week, just a little quiz. If you know this off by heart because you've been here for ages, um, don't jump in too soon. Um, what did we talk about two, last week? We talked about two values. We're going to talk about another two today. What were the two values we talked about last week? Just give us one. Hey, well done. What's the other one? Transformation. Well done. What's acceptance mean? Yeah. Shh. What's transformation mean? What's, what, do we mean what, do, what do we mean by transformation? Hallelujah, less of me, more of God. That sounds like a great idea. All right, so we're going to touch on the next two today. The first one is we value relationship. We've already touched on this today. How's that interesting, isn't it? We value relationship, not religion. When we talk about religion, it's the outside stuff. You know, faking it till you make it, forcing yourself to do something. Um, I didn't, I, I can't actually. I just realized... Again this week, it's disappointing, isn't it? The most decrepit fruit of the Spirit in my life is self-control. Isn't that disappointing? So, you know, I did what every good Christian does. I googled Kurong and I'll buy some books on self-control. But there's other fruit of the Spirit that God's just really manifested in my life that I find easy, like patience. I find it easy to be patient. God, praise God, he's done that in my life. Obviously, he hasn't got to self-control to the same degree that I wanted him to. No, I have got self-control. But I just realized it's an area where I can grow. So what do I do about that? I pray and I say, God, can you help me with self-control? It's not my favorite fruit of the Spirit. It's other fruit of the Spirit. I like joy or peace. They're great fruits of the Spirit. But self-control, maybe I just haven't been in agreement with that one enough. So relationship we are family doing life together this is a verse i picked for this first timothy 5 1 and 2 do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him as if he were your father isn't that great hey gary's one of my fathers where are you gary he's one of my spiritual fam fathers yeah. one of my 
God showed me Gary a long time ago. I said, I want to be like him. Well, a little bit like him, not completely like him. <laughs> That's right. Um, treat younger men as brothers, older, men, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. You know what? As I've journeyed in the, in the family of God, I've just found heaps of brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers. It's amazing. Amazing. And my mum and dad were pretty amazing. But I found some amazing mums and dads, brothers and sisters. My brother and sister are pretty amazing too. But I found even more. How rich is that? And I'm talking about the real deal. People that are there for you when you really need them. Relationship where family doing life together. So what's this look like? Well, what I want to focus on this morning for this point, just it looks like connection. How do you connect with people? And um, this is harder than we think. You know, like relationships kind of like the thing you really want, but are the hardest thing to get sometimes. Who's ever been tempted, or maybe you've already done it, been tempted to give up on relationship? You ever been tempted to give up on relationship? Oh my gosh. You just think, is it really this hard? Well, to encourage you, it can be hard. And um, so I stole these from a book, so don't think that I'm brilliant or anything. Um, we connect with people. The first thing is through listening. Yes. Wayne, thank you for your confession. That's where we all go wrong. Because we won't shut up long enough to hear the other person's perspective. Hey, You're not alone, Wayne. You're just the most honest person in the room. That's right. What was the point I just said? <laughs> listening. Listen, we're listening right now. We're listening. Yeah. Later you can talk and I'll listen. Is that all right? Okay. The next one, have integrity. In other words, be authentic. Talked about this a few weeks ago and Aussie can spot. You thanks for saying it because I didn't want to say it from up here. But I can spot it from a mile away. If you're fake, people are going to go, yeah, whatever. Okay? And even if we're being um, nice, just to be nice, they're going to spot it too. If you're having trouble being nice, just say, hey, I'm having a bad day, sorry. Or just stay home that day. That's what I do. You know, like if you're having a bad day, try and stay home or just avoid people. But be authentic. How you going? Well, I've been better. That's okay. Yeah, I, I do not, I don't think positive thinking is a biblical concept. Sorry. As a concept birthed by um, Norman Vincent Peale. When did he show up? Come on, Gary. Yeah, probably something like that. And it come into the church. And you know the problem with positive thinking? It's destroyed the gift of discernment. Okay, God calls us to test the spirits. God taught us to be honest. In the, I don't see Jesus being overly positive in the Garden of Gethsemane. Check the story out. Okay? I'm not saying being, be pessimistic. I'm just saying be honest. Be authentic. Be real. And your realness will connect with other people's realness and you'll have authentic relationship. It'll be real. Okay? Um, the third one, sh how we connect with people, show compassion. 
um, empathy is what I want to call that. Have you ever experienced empathy? Um, I was in pastoral supervision. I go every month just to unload my baggage or try to get emotionally healthy and stay emotionally healthy. And um, my counsellor said something, and I started to get emotional. He said, what happened then? I said, ah, it's just you empathised with me. That's all you did. Isn't that powerful? Hey, to be really heard by someone and to feel really understood by someone, my friends, is actually very powerfully healing. If you want to be a healer in our world, learn how to empathise. Now, it's not that easy because before we can empathise, we actually have to get in touch with our own emotions. I'll never forget when I first learnt this. You probably heard me tell this story. It's a friend of mine um, who's in our church and he went to Miracle Haven, which was the rehab of the day for men at Morissette. And um, he'd had two or three cracks at it. And this time he was smashing it out of the park. And his wife decided she would just run off with another bloke and abandon the three kids and just as he was smashing rehab. And he came, he, he had to leave. Mind you, he went back and he smashed it again. And he went on to be a, a worker there and uh, doing great, okay? But I remember that first thing, come back and says, look, like he's just facing his wife, leaving the marriage, leaving his kids. He had to go and look after them, leave rehab a bit early. Um, and you know when you, you catch on with people and their life's just smashed them right in the face, there's nothing to say. So I didn't say anything. And I remember sitting on a picnic table outside of where we used to do church at Fennel Bay. We just sat together. And he said, it's, it's, it's sad. And I said, yeah, it is sad. And then we just sat there and we're sad together. Friends, sometimes they're the most powerful moments. When I'm sad, I don't want you to tell me how to get happy. Job's friends, the best thing they did was shut up for seven days and just sat with Job. The wrong thing they did was seven days later they opened their mouths. You know the funny thing? At the end of the story, God tells Job to pray for his friends. They thought they had all this wisdom for Job. And God says, you need to pray for those guys. It's powerful to show empathy, to feel with people. Not sympathy, that's a bit more shallow. But empathy, feeling with people and sitting with them in their pain. That's what we need to take the time to do. And the fourth one, how do we connect with people? Seeing from other people's perspective. Man, how hard is that? That's hard to see from other people's perspective. It takes time. It takes listening. It takes being authentic. It takes empathy to actually see from... Because you know what? Often my perspective is not your perspective. And someone else's, you know what I mean? So if we want to connect and enter your world, I've actually got to hear your perspective and, and try to understand it. So to connect with other people, we listen, we be authentic, we show compassion and empathy, um, and we see from their perspective. The other one is, um, if you want to build trust with people, try this. And I think this is how... I believe God's so trustworthy, right? says he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Um, in other words, God's consistent. If you want to build trust, be consistent. Be authentic. But be consistently authentic and just consistent. And people then start to 
you know, I've been in trouble in the past for giving away too much free information. But I figure people find me easy to trust. Why? Because what you see is what you get. I'm happy to show you. Does that make sense? If you're going to hide too much of your stuff, people go, oh, I don't know much about him. Someone asked me just recently about someone said, I don't even know who they are. No one in this church is outside of this church. They said, oh, what do you, what do you think um, personality this person is? And I, I said, I don't know. I don't really know them. Because they've never, they've never revealed themselves to me. So if you want to connect with people, you've got to get a little bit vulnerable. You don't have to reveal everything, just, but just reveal enough to connect and stop hiding. That helps. In a healthy family, I want to go through this. this is, so if we connect with people, this is what the fruit of it looks like. In a healthy family... I can talk about my feelings and not be judged. Hallelujah. Next one. It is it possible to talk about personal problems and not be judged. There's a lot of joy and laughter. We've seen that today. I love just sharing. It's awesome. Why? Because it's real. Last thing I want someone to stand up in here and say, I can't even do it. You know what? I grew up listening to those kind of testimonies. And some of them were like, ah, sit down. Because it was religious. It wasn't authentic. So, and, you know, we ask you to come and pray at the mercy seat if you want to and to so pray with you. I remember some old saint who was obviously walking with religion more than relationship come and pray with me one time. I was more confused when I got up than when I went down. Then I was in another church years later and someone come and prayed for me. I didn't even tell him what my problem was and he obviously was walking with Jesus and he spoke into my life in such a powerful way. I left more free than when I went down. See the difference? Um, the atmosphere is encouraging. That's what we try to do here. I can rely upon people. Call them my relatives if you like. My brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers in Christ. I deal with my bitterness towards others. Um, if you want to deal with your bitterness, go and talk to either a counsellor, a caseworker, some friend out there who's confidential. Work out what's your part. Deal with that. And then if you need to talk to the other person, talk to them then. Okay, just don't go and tell someone you're bitter with them because <laughs> it might be more your, your issue than their issue. But obviously, sometimes there's, you know, you've got to work out your own stuff and then go and talk to them about it. But own your own stuff in that. And when somebody does a good job, tell them. I share about my spiritual journey. So be open and honest about how you're going with God. We show concern for each other's personal problems. If we have conflict, we try to resolve it. Now, all those points we just went through come out of natural church development, which is really like a health check that we do here every year. It's like sticking a thermometer in the church to see how healthy it is, right? Um, and you won't be, well, hopefully you're not surprised, that one of the eight indicators of health is what they call um, loving relationships. And I was looking at our 2020 profile because I couldn't find the 2021 profile um, last night. And for and they give you not just the recent profile but the two or three or four years before that. And, you know, your line often looks a bit like that, up and down. But our loving relationship was always above what was healthy. Isn't that good? I was encouraged by that. And um, I think it's something worth preserving here. I'll talk a bit more about that later. Number two, we value empowerment, not control. Man, some churches are more like a sect than a church. 
Yes, there's the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom, not control. Um, the verse there, empowerment, real, realizing, and releasing potential. So we want to we realize our own potential. We want to realize each other's potential, and we want that to be released. Um, and there's two points I want to put that. first one is, A, I prepare myself for empowerment. So what I do so I can be empowered by the church. And this is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, I just want to draw out three points here. The first one's entrust, right? Now, it's really interesting because... Um, the original word means right close beside, um, to entrust, to commit to a very up close and personal way. Um, the best way I can illustrate this is give me the footy, please. Nate, do you want to? You didn't want to throw it. Do you want to come in, Nate? He likes this. Now, this is my ministry, right? That I've been entrusted to by God, whatever ministry that might be in the church. I don't even have to talk to that, Wayne. We know who's better. All right. This is my ministry. Often what I've seen happen in churches is this. Right? Now, I was hoping... Oh, it's not the right time, is it? I was hoping there's a few more babies in church today, and I wanted to hold a baby. Right? And then, if I did the same thing with a baby, how would you feel about that? Us and community, us and community services. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> um, but I've seen people. Thanks, Nate. I've seen people do that with the ministry. Oh, I think I've done all I can do with this. There you go. Your turn. <laughs> no. What this word is saying in trust, it means walk closely alongside. Like, you, and then you ever hand, especially a newborn baby, to someone else? You don't do it quickly. You don't do it roughly. You do it slowly. You do it with intention. You do it with purpose. So, you know what? If you want to move on from a ministry in this church that you're running, don't do the football thing. I'll be offended. And I, I'm getting more assertive in my old age. So I'll probably come and talk to you about it. And you may not get more opportunity. Because ministry, God does that to us. He entrusts it to us. And he expects us to treat it like a newborn baby. Because it's people's lives. Ministry is about people's lives. You don't just throw it around like a football. That's what that word means. Um, the next one is entrust to reliable or faithful people. I was going to read this. It's out of a commentary. When Timothy looked for those whom he could pour apostolic doctrine and practice into, he was to look for the quality of faithfulness. This is a sentence I really liked. He didn't need to find smart men. <laughs> that qualifies me. He didn't need to find smart men or popular men or strong men or perfect men or women or good-looking men or women. Paul told him to look for faithful, reliable. Are you reliable? Can we just sit and ponder that for a minute? Am I reliable? Ask yourself, am I reliable? Don't expect people to trust you unless you're reliable. It means you show up and you show up consistently. That's reliable. 
If you want to have a job out there and keep a job, just show up. We said that to our kids when they got jobs. In the midst of COVID, they got jobs. They said, oh, I don't know if I'm, going to, don't know if I'm doing well enough. It's like, and, and sooner or later, other people came in and worked alongside them, right? One kid come and look, worked along Kate up at Seawave at the entrance. It's on her phone all the time. She didn't last long. So we were able to convince Kate, Dull, if you just show up for every shift and work and stuff off your phone, you'll have a job. Just be reliable. See, we don't teach reliable in our, in our world today. Just show up. That's two confessions. I feel like I'm in confessional today, Wayne. <laughs> the Lord forgives you, my son. <clears throat> All right, the last one is, who will also be qualified is the phrase there. You don't have to be sorry. I'm loving it. I love interaction, haven't you noticed? You don't want to listen to me just waffle on for 20 minutes. Gosh. Who will also be qualified is a phrase. Can you bring that verse back up? Because I'm working my way through it, if you hadn't noticed. There you go. So the phrase there where it says, will also be qualified, uh, means expresses capability as proved by experience. So if you want to have a ministry in this church, we give you a little bit. You prove faithful in that, we give you a bit more. If you get stuck, come and talk to me about where you may not have been faithful in a little bit. Does that make sense? Is that okay? Because I have been accused, we used to, I love empowering people, right? But the danger with empowering, and it's risky. But you can't imp- keep empowering people if they're not doing the right thing. Or if it's not their gift. And that's why it's so important to um, grow in self-awareness. We had a guy at our old church, he loved to preach. And um, someone said to me, after he preached two or three times over a year or two, they said, if you keep letting him preach, you're going to lose credibility as a leader. See? So we've got to take these things seriously. We want the right people in the right jobs doing the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. I couldn't repeat that, so I'm glad it's recorded. (laughs) To be, we empower others. So if you're in some kind of leadership in this church, <clears throat> or even this is a great principle in life, right? We want to empower our kids. We want to empower people we come across. Um, this is how Jesus do it. After, after this, the Lord anointed, appointed sorry, 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town place. So he sent out um, 72 disciples. How Jesus empowered his team, and we find this in Luke chapter 10, and we're just going to run through the points again. In verse 1, he appointed them and sent them out. So he gave them a job to do. Gave them something to do. He gave them a meaningful task. Well, I have issues with how I wrote that. Maybe I stole it from somewhere. I can't remember. I think every task is meaningful if you're doing it for God. I think helping in the kitchen is meaningful. Being on the welcome team, setting out the prayer cards. Everything is meaningful when we're doing it for God. We just got to understand it's meaningful. So you got to give people context to help them see that it's meaningful. He told them why their mission was so important. Verse 2, he cautioned them about possible hardship. It's not easy. Yeah, leadership's one of the loneliness positions you can ever have. So if you want to be a leader, just be aware of that. He gave instructions about potential scenarios. So he said, oh, it could look like this. So he prepared them. He didn't just throw the footy to them. He prepared them um, for it. Knew what they were getting themselves into. He shared his convictions about their work. He celebrated with them as they returned. How important is that? We try to do that in this church. 
is celebrate each other's victories and celebrate our victories that we have together. He debriefed them after their experience. He said, what was that like for you? He prayed with them and affirmed their gifts. And it's important we do that as well. You know what, when someone first has a go at something, this is what I noticed, especially when I used to work in the Southwest Discipleship School years ago, the first time someone would have a crack at preaching, I, I would still remember, and you know, I'm going now back to 1994, we took the team out to this church. This girl preached an amazing sermon. People came forward. It was just a powerful night. Then we went back to the bus and she's like this. And she goes, oh, I did such a terrible job. But that's what the enemy wants us to think. You know what? If you have a crack at something for God and you smash it out of the park, I can guarantee the devil's going to say to you, oh, that was rubbish. So we need to get around people when they have a crack at something. Hey, give them some positive feedback. Be authentic. But find the positives and give them some feedback. If nothing else, encourage them for being brave and having a go. So important. I haven't asked her permission to do this. I hope it's okay. But you know what? I watch people get blessed by God. They follow God. God blesses them. And then too often I've watched people use that blessing to just enjoy their life. <laughs> and they forget about God and sowing that blessing back into church or back into God's kingdom. And I just want to honor Nate and Sarah this morning because I've watched them um, take a massive risk of buying a business, um, using your skills, um, both of your skills in administration and in music, and your business is flourishing. God's blessing it because of who you are and your heart. And um, you're still here sowing into the church. Yeah, yeah. So God didn't bless you so you can be comfortable, fat and rich. He blessed you to be a blessing. And a blessing particularly for his kingdom. So the blessing's not for you to hoard, it's for you to share. Please remember that next time God, I've seen God bless so many people and it's like the 10 lepers, only one comes back to say thank you. Please don't be like the nine. Please be like the one. When God blesses you with a job, give some of it to God. When God blesses you with gifts, use some of them in the church. God, God didn't give it to you to free just to enjoy yourself. Goodness, read the, read the Bible. Well, sometimes you just got to say it straight because we seem not to get it. Do you understand? Just got to say it straight. Mate, I'm too old to beat around the bush anymore. I used to try and work out how to say it politely. Now I'm just going to say it. Sorry. Sack me if you don't like it. Send letters. I've never had a letter. Oh, I have had a few letters written to the Salvation Army about me. I haven't had any for a while. So if you want to write letters to the Salvation Army and get me moved, you can do that. All right, I just want to summarize all four values. Is that all right? We'll get out of here. And I, Come, we talked about last week, we believe in acceptance. So come as you are. Change, come, change, connect, commit. I thought that was all right. I was just trying to preach pretty. Come, change, connect, commit. Look at that. We believe in transformation. We believe in relationship. We believe in empowerment. 
Now, I'll tell you, finish with a sad story just to leave you depressed. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in an amazing church. I grew up in an amazing church. And you know what? It was such a, talking about that Timothy verse where fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, I called everyone auntie and uncle if they were over, you know, 21. And I didn't know until I was like probably 16, they weren't my aunties and uncles. How cool is that? Uncle Keith, he cut my hair. He couldn't cut hair to save himself. But he cut my hair until I was 15 and I could, you know, go somewhere else and pay for it myself. But we used to go to Uncle Keith. I didn't know he wasn't my uncle. It was a great church. I found Jesus in that church at the age of nine. I had people, you know, encouraging me when I give my life to Jesus. People encouraging me when I'd have a go. I did my first little talk as hopeless as a kid. And my uncle got me to do it again the next year. I don't know whether he was just giving me another go because I messed it up the first time or he thought I needed practice. I don't know. But he encouraged me all the way. It was a great church. You know what? When I was 15, um, a family came into the church that was religious. And they muscled their way into a position. And um, we had the traditional Salvation Army there as a brass band and the songs choir and all that. And he muscled his way with a few of his friends from another church who were really like religious thugs. And he muscled his way into being the bandmaster. And, you know, we're a country band. We played pretty good what we played with spirit. We love, you know, we'd have these great Sunday night meetings where drunk people would walk in off the streets and find Jesus and find love and acceptance. And that's the kind of church I grew up in. But this guy come and muscled his way into being the bandmaster and we'd sit in band practice and say, Gentlemen, this is not good enough. And you know what's sad? And I promised I'd never be a Salvation Army officer like the Salvation Army officer we had in that season. He was too gutless to stand up to this guy and take him out of his job. Now my brother left the church because of that guy and he hasn't gone back since. That's why I won't tolerate it. I won't tolerate power games. And... and and what I want to call us to this morning is I want to call us to a commitment. If you want to commit to this church, I want you to commit to these values. Because um, the church I grew up in was an awesome church. But I was disappointed that no one was guarding the culture of that church. No one was protecting. We need, guard, we need culture guardians. I'm trying to find the other word I wrote. What's the other word? I'm looking. Culture carriers and culture guardians. So culture carriers, we do those four things. We show acceptance. We do relationship. We are empowering. We do change. We're committed to transformation. That's a culture carrier. We do them. A culture guardian is if you see it not happening in the church, we call it out in a loving way, in a kind way. Or you come and get me and Mel, we'll help you call it out. Okay? Because we don't always see, you know, every, you know the problem with being a pastor? Everyone shows you their good side. I like to see the grunge, the, the grit and the real stuff. Because we've all got it. So I want this morning, as the band comes up, I want us to... And you know what, if you're visiting today, maybe these are values you just want to put in your life. Because, you know, until we know who we are, we'll just get blown away like a leaf. We'll get blown around like a leaf on the street on a windy day. We need to know who we are. So, you know, I'd encourage you to investigate what are my values? What are the things I would die for? What are the things I'd really get upset about? That's often what our values are. Um, but for those of you who would, you know, 
um, let's say you're part of this church or you want to be part of this church, um, can you seriously think about committing? Actually, I'll take it this far because, you know, I need encouragement as much as anyone else. Um, if you want to commit to these values today, write them on your care card. Pop them in the bucket. Say, you know what? I believe in these four values. I want to commit to them. I want to have your back. I want you to have my back. Stick it in the bucket. Tomorrow morning, I'll be encouraged. Hey? Or if you're just visiting today and say, you know what? I love the value of, you know, relationship. I'm going to make that my own value. Write that on the care card. And um, if you want to come and pray about it, people will come and pray with you. Or you can pray by yourself. But I think these are amazing values. We didn't make these values up. They were in the DNA of this church. We just worked out what they were and articulated them. So I reckon they're God's values. I reckon God planned them here a long time ago. And so let's, um, let's embrace them. Hey? That's why I'm happy to be here. And it's a great way to live.